You're listening to the horror. Welcome to the horror. Hi, I'm Owen. I like horror movies. And I'm Russell. And I kind of like this one. I'm going to say it. Wow. Right out of the gate. (laughs) Wow. We're discussing 1982 Toby Hooper's Poltergeist. Oh, wait. I let's be clear. <laughs> 1982's Steven Spielberg's Poltergeist. Well, well let's okay. We can. We, we, I thought that was gonna be a, 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 what's it called? A tripping rock? A, just a, a stumbling block? Stars? Yes. <laughs> Those famous um, old tripping tripping rocks. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, so we're we're discussing Poltergeist. Came out in 1982, same summer, same year that Spielberg made E.T. Um, classic story about a suburban family whose youngest member goes missing. Seems to be it's taken away by uh, the poltergeist that exists in the house. Investigators are brought in. Finally, a house cleaner. Madness ensues the entire time, and. A happy ending happens at the end because because they realize that they didn't move the bodies. That sums it up, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's get into So you, I am not surprised in the least that you like this. Uh, well, why don't you tell me why you're not surprised? Okay, okay. So I was thinking about this. One thing is, I think you're completely right. To- so Spielberg was not allowed to direct another movie while directing E.T. There was something contractually he wasn't allowed. So he tapped Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper, pretty young. He had made Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I think Eaten Alive. So I think he made two movies. Oh, no, three, because he made Eggshells. Uh, but because of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he was tapped here. But... There's a bunch of different... I ended up doing a lot of reading on all the different people, like, who actually directed this film. Spielberg was there on set a lot. Of course, Spielberg already was, like, this huge voice. I I think I think his influence is very, very clear. So one of the things I think is the Spielberg influence. And I think, actually, this is interesting as far as Spielberg horror. I think this movie, in some ways, can be summed up in the experience of opening the arc at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, like it is two things that I think you really love. One is awe. Like Spielberg does awe better than maybe any other director that I know of. Like, oh, look at that. Look into the vastness of um, eternity or the supernatural or uh, life after death. And then that awe, just like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, turns to horror. <laughs> which I don't think you like as much, but no one dies. So I think you've got <laughs> you've got life after death, you've got Spielberg awe, and you've got no one dying. <laughs> well, so people die in Jaws. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. And people die, you know, and Nazis die in Raiders. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's true. Good. That's, that's good. true. Uh, um, so, yes. Uh, and this is the thing. It, and to, and we, we can have this conversation. I'm sure you're going to be an ardent Toby Hooper defender. But you look at Texas Chainsaw and you look <laughs> at every other Spielberg movie. And it's hard to describe this as Spielberg influence because Spielberg <laughs> is just pasted all over this movie from the anamorphic lenses to the way the camera moves to even the way he pulls focus. It just feels 
like Spielberg. It is. It is. I mean, uh, the camera movement. I mean, there's so many of those low, those low angle push ins where someone's looking above the camera, eyes expanding. We don't see what they're looking at. And there's that look of awe. With yeah, it's it's Spielberg all over. Well, and also to your point, you know, the there's a we we'll get into the details obviously of of what goes on in this movie, but that the most sort of grotesque scene is one of the the Ghostbusters yeah. uh, tearing his face off in the bathroom. Total Raiders moment. T- total Raiders, yeah. Down to the sort of clunky special effects. Yeah. Um, but the um the the play the video playback of the spirits descending the stairs is oh. right out of Close Encounters. So interesting enough, I, I, what I've read a little bit of is that um Spielberg was sort of seeing this as sort of the horror sister of Close Encounters. Uh, that this was what there was going to be an alien aspect to it, and that Toby Hooper was like, ah, let's make it more of a haunting thing. That's what I'm. I'm not really interested in the alien thing. Um, supposedly, that's that's sort of how the story, in some ways, changed into what it is. So when Lucas said Raiders Four, aliens, <laughs> Spielberg was like, yes, finally. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what we got. We we got the true version of Poltergeist is Raiders Four, um, which is truly a horror show. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I I I don't I can't I it I don't want to take anything away from Toby Hooper. I, in some ways, I'm kind of like I think Toby Hooper was probably in a hard situation. Um, it, I'm trying to think about the equivalent. I mean, let's see. Spielberg said, "Russell, I want you to come direct this film for me. I'm going to be there every day." I'm I'm gonna voice my opinion, often without you getting a chance to voice your opinion. But it's 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 you, buddy. It's you. <laughs> and and my name will appear at least two times before yours does in the opening credits. <laughs> well, and and I, as is my want, often I I will like flip through like the IMDb trivia while I'm watching something. Yeah, and well, that's and the sure, purest you know, way to watch film. <laughs> so disrespectful. <laughs> But, you know, there's these little stories about like, uh, which Joe Beth Williams, by the way, oh my gosh, I, I, she reminds me so much of my own mother. Mm. Uh, it, it just, she lights up the screen and she does. Oh my God. Yeah. Say what you're going to say. And then let's, I want to talk about Joe Beth Williams too. Uh, but the scene when she's in the pool uh, at the end, you know, the, the story is that she was a little nervous because of all the electrical equipment and Spielberg got in the water with her to mm. show her that it's okay. And I thought, well, of course he did, because he's the director. <laughs> like, where's Toby Hooper in this scenario? <laughs> uh, there's just little stories like that that just, again, it just felt so yeah. Spielberg. But It just, it feels Spielberg all the way through. It does, it does. Okay. So, but, but did you want to, were you going to say uh, other stuff before we, we go and talk about Joe Beth? <laughs> no, let's, let's talk about Joe Beth. Okay. What, and, and why is she not in every movie ever made? Oh my gosh, she's so yeah. I mean, th- this movie is like so. I, I've been thinking about stuff that we've been discussing uh, on on this podcast, and I don't know if you remember, but when we were talking about Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, uh, that I I made the point that I think horror movies should have as much life as they do death in them. Um, that 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 we actually appreciate the vibrance of life more in these films when they've got the danger there, that it makes the danger feel more intense because we've seen these people so alive. And this movie has that 
in such a great way. I mean, it shows the suburbs in a way, and sure, there's this sort of light criticism or maybe heavy criticism on the suburbs and everything that they are, but but also you just love this family. You know, you just love this couple, and Joe Beth Williams is a huge part of that. She's such a believable mom. She's so like she's she's more like awe uh, influenced than maybe any of the other characters, and more excited. And also, she stays well dressed the whole movie. You know, Craig Craig Nelson is like he's wearing some old cardigan and drinking beer four in the afternoon, but she's still got it together dressed wise like the whole time she's a badass yes and i do one of the things i was thinking about was the casting in general is so good yeah uh everyone seems perfectly cast but also they're just great actors everything yeah. felt natural and authentic and grounded and real because the performances were all of those things yeah. and and again not to throw Toby under the bus, but I'm not seeing him getting those performances out of those actors in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, maybe it's just that he didn't have access to as you know good of actors. I don't want to give all the credit to the director for getting great performances, but but that definitely stood out in this one. And I do at some point want to talk about what is this movie about? What is it trying to say? Yes. Um, and also what will be my perennial argument that will frustrate you and every listener to no end which is is it horror oh my god all right well let's <laughs> let's just go ahead and uh, should we start with that beast uh or let's let's, now, start, let's now, talk what it's about let's let's move into it and i don't know that it matters so much and i also also want to talk about the nostalgia factor it, it, recognizing that i have absolutely rose-colored grass glasses watching this movie uh, from the opening frames, it, oh, it brought yeah. back memories of of terror, but also just really warm, fuzzy memories of this movie. I feel the same way. I, I watched it. I remember watching it in the theater. I, I think I was there with my friend Ryan Taylor. And I remember being so scared as it started because like, oh, no, oh, no, I've made a horrible mistake. I am not old enough for this experience. This is going to be too scary for me. Uh, and that kind of fear, and which was super fun. Um it was interesting to watch it again because there is a big nostalgia thing. But I was also, you know, I was like, wow, I I used to relate to the kid, the kid with the buck teeth. Oh, yeah. And, and who's really, I mean, that that kid was Oliver Robbins. He does a really great job uh, in the film. Um, but now I'm like, I really relate to the parents. I'm like, that's that's who I relate to. Uh, and that's, that was kind of an interesting rewatching for yeah, me. You're so right. But at the same time. That like that, that whole scene of of Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams smoking pot, smoking pot in their bedroom, is so burned into my brain mm -hmm. as as just a delightful scene. His whole like before after mm -hmm. uh, in front of the mirror. I remember that as a kid and like doing that in front of the mirror as a joke uh, to Me make too. my siblings laugh. It just it just feels so. Like you say, and it's so great because it's so part of the, the the overall feel of the movie is that it just draws you into, I love this family. And so when this terrible thing happens, you are all in on on trying to solve this problem and get, and get, get the daughter back. Yeah, yeah. Spielberg does a great thing, and I, I, I don't know exactly how he does it so well, but he always, like, you are in a, a lived-in world. 
Um, you know, this was E.T., e similar thing, you know, that, that sort of we're in the house and the kids are eating pizza and the mom's trying to calm things out. Like you immediately are in a lived in world with a, a history. It's not tidy. Um, that is just always so impressive. And, and part of that too is completely forgiving some flaws that if I came to this, I wonder if I, this is true of, of a, some of the films we've watched, but if I came to this completely new and had never seen it, I don't know how I would feel about it. I think I'd still like it, but the effects are what they are. They're very Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. This blend of cutting edge at the time, computer graphics with practical effects. Some work well and some not so much. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then there's like, there's a couple of weird little plot things like, uh, you know, basically it cuts from daughter being taken is inside the television apparently. Uh, and, and then some time has passed and we don't know how much. And it's just Craig T. Nelson, the dad talking to these ghostbusters at this yeah. uh, university. And it seems like the family has fallen into this kind of comfortable pattern of we live in a haunted house now. And that's kind of cool, but also like what <laughs> their daughter is missing. <laughs> well, there wouldn't be like, I don't know, the FBI, something. I don't know. There was like right. just a little bit of a narrative hiccup for me there. Yeah, that's, I think it's fair. I mean, I noticed funny enough, cause I noticed a couple of like editing, like things like, Oh, that's kind of a rough edit. Like just like little things like, like, Oh, we never see the kid get pulled out of the tree. He's being swallowed by the tree. His dad's climbing up there to get him. And, and then they just sort of fall to the ground. Yeah. They kind of fall to the ground and they run inside. I'm like, I never worried, but it, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I mean, one of the things like is interesting about this era of Spielberg, like I think you and I have talked about this before, but in Indiana Jones, you know, we, we did it for Master Pancake here in Austin at the Alamo Draft House. And so I saw the movie several, like so many times. Um, and there's this moment after the incredible truck scene, which is fantastic. And the, you know, the, all these amazing stunts and the truck goes into the small, uh, into the village and the, the locals kind of come out of the market and hide the truck. You remember? And then the Nazis yeah. show up in the convertible and you remember the one Nazi, this sort of round glass, really awful hot poker Nazi with a scarred hand. I think that's He's... his name in the credits. It's quite long. <laughs> <laughs> that's German. Uh, uh, he's sit he's meant to be sitting in the passenger seat of the car, the convertible car, as the, you know, one major German stands up and is like, where is he? And yells and throws down a melon. But he's not there at all. It's just a pile of clothes. It's not an actor, another actor. It's a pile of clothes with a, a black jacket and a black fedora on it. And if you just, if you just look at him instead of, I mean, it's big. It's not a small thing. You just look at him instead of the guy who's standing up smashing a melon. It's very clear that... <laughs> It's it's just laundry with a hat. And <laughs> I have never noticed that. It's amazing. You can look it up. But the funny thing is, I mean, Spielberg was making this one like, yeah, what? I'm putting a movie in movie theaters. How many times are people going to see it? You can't stop a movie, you know, halfway through. Like this was pre, you know, renting the movie and watching it a hundred times at home. So I think so. even there, some of the effects, like some of the effects in Poltergeist, for example, when the guy is ripping off his face uh, in the mirror, his hands are backwards uh, because they're not a person's hands. Of course, they're someone kneeling in front of a puppet and ripping forward. So instead of the thumbs sticking out to the sides, as it would, if you were scratching your own face, the thumbs are inward <laughs> because of someone else. And so, yeah, it's, there's, there's mistakes. 
And again, you know, would those, because it seems if I was consistent, those are exactly the kinds of things that I would say, I liked it except for that shitty, you know, effects, uh, the scary bits <laughs> that, that don't really work. Um, but I totally forgive them for this, uh, in this. Uh, so, you know, screw me, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you're being inconsistent there because, I mean, this was a higher budget film than what, maybe anything I'm... I'm trying to think of what anything we've looked at so far. Um, that might not be completely true, but it's it, most of the films have been much, much lower than this. And that higher budget buys some beautiful stuff and also Spielberg's incredible skill. But the camera work is just beautiful. Like you said, the acting never takes you out of it. Well, to put my own feet to the coals for a moment, you know, I'm thinking now about my take on the thing. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, if I'd have to watch him again. But I think I would put the thing up against Poltergeist in terms of cinematography and the craft of filmmaking, except for the the slimy puppets, you know. <laughs> so so if I had watched the thing at the same time that I watched Poltergeist as a kid, would I have jumped on the podcast saying, oh, my gosh, I love this movie when we mm. talked about the thing? Um, so that's where I feel like maybe I'm being inconsistent there. But but also I think it's because of Spielberg's kind of unquenchable optimism as a yeah. filmmaker. I mean, even when he tries to go super dark, like Schindler's List or some of the other more serious takes, um, Saving Private Ryan, uh, they're undeniably dark and they're difficult. But there's still this kind of, I don't know, Spielberg hopefulness. He, he gave the Holocaust a happy ending. <laughs> so... So, and that's, I think, why, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, there's a part of me that thinks, is it horror? Is, is Poltergeist horror the way Ghostbusters is horror? Okay, oh, no, no. All right, but let's, this is a good, that's a good segue. It's an offensive thing. Uh, <laughs> so, so, it, it, I, I mean, one of the things I really do dig about this movie, is, and I remember as a kid as well, is when the dad gets home and the wife is like, oh my gosh, look at this incredible thing that's happened. So she's already had the chair experience. A great gag. Isn't that the chair when she goes oh, into the great. kitchen? It's great. Oh, and it's great so how how you don't, he saves it for us like he saves it for the dad. You know, yes. like, he could have stayed with the mom the, the whole day. Whole day. Playing with it. But no, we, we get to see her effervescent excitement along with him and get to experience it from his perspective, which is just brilliant. Yeah. And, and that, like, he does a really great job of like, there is something unexplainable and wild going on. And we're going to see that from the point of view of three characters here. And the wife is like, oh, the mom is like, oh my God, this is amazing. The dad is like, this is terrifying. And I'm scared and no one go in that room. And the, the daughter is like, uh, can I go watch TV now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that it's done so very well. Um, but then the horror happens and actually the horror happens super fast. I had forgotten that basically by the beginning of act two, the tree is coming alive and swallowing a child. It's like, oh, that, that must happen later on in the movie. But things go nuts super fast in this movie. That's like so, it's a, it, you're, you're so right. And in fact, it happens so fast that I was, we got to the denouement, the, the sort of, they got the daughter back and yeah. everything was happy. And I was like, wait, what about the skeletons in the pool and the 
the clown choking the boy. Is that Poltergeist 2? Like, where, <laughs> where, where are these things that I thought happened? And there was like, still more. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, the and Act Three is 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 an interesting act in this one because all those things happen. Really rem- memorable stuff. You you didn't ever move the bodies. Uh, the clown, uh, yeah, strangling him. All those different things. Um, and and we remember them, that, but they don't really play a plot role. I mean, there's like the the whole last third. Yeah, in fact, like, it, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense. Why the yeah. fuck are they still in that house? Like that, right? is insane and yeah. and why is craig t nelson like just gotta go to the office to take care of stuff i'll be back in 14 hours <laughs> while you yeah. like have to put the kids to bed even though we're not staying here another night but also joe beth is like now's a good time to dye my hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's insane like it, it's ridiculous but i don't care because it is burned into my psyche if if you wanted to make an argument, you could you could say that uh, it, like much like Halloween, suburbia uh, lulls us into a false sense of security. So in this case, look, we got the experts in. The experts solved the problem. The child is found. Now now the problem's okay. This house is clean. Boy, she was wrong. <laughs> Which also, P.S. There's a there's one moment that also fell really flat for me. Uh, at one point, that woman, the 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 mystic. Uh, asks this question emphatically, you know, where was where was Carol Ann playing when she yeah. disappeared? Where was she playing? And I'm thinking, she wasn't fucking playing. A tree was eating her brother, <laughs> and, you know, the, her bedroom was being... Su- like, why did no one correct her? Because that seemed... <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a gross misrepresentation of what had happened that night. That's that's true. That's true. Because that would have been a great scene of someone going. By the way, she wasn't actually playing. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well d- d- don't have her say that. Or let that be a moment of playing, playing. She wasn't playing. She got eaten by a closet. But no one was in there. They didn't see her get eaten by the closet. For all they knew, she the tree came in. She started playing Barbies. They... <laughs> or with the entire Star Wars collection that is stacked <laughs> yeah. around that room. So much Star Wars and absolutely no Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, toys around. Which were popular uh, at the time. They're very popular. Yeah. The puppets they had. Okay. So you asked the question, what is the movie about? Uh, um, I, what, do you, what do you think? Well, on the one hand, I I often make a sort of big deal about great cinema has a point. Like there's that there's a kind of thematic cohesion to great cinema and that's what makes it work. That it's got a an idea in its head and it's not just a bunch of plot points strung together. And while I mm-hmm. think this movie does seem to be hinting at some deeper thematic interest in whether it's, as you say, how suburbs can lull us into a false sense of security or the the sort of the the deep evil of capitalism and greed and sprawl and what it does to disconnect us from our own past and dishonor our ancestor. You know, what there's something there. there there's something about a, a child staring into a television until eventually it seems to eat her whole it seems to be saying something about media and media consumption and televisions in our homes. But all of, even as I articulate that to you, and certainly as I was 
trying to articulate it to myself, it all felt a little bit forced. Like those things are there, but ultimately it does just feel like a, a haunting. And, and maybe there's something there about a mother's love and, and, and this idea of, of, you know, the links you'll go to, to protect your children. I can, I can see that, but, but I, I, I struggle a little bit because I feel like none of those feel cohesive. They, they yeah. feel like interesting facets, but it's really just a bunch of interesting set pieces strung together, which is normally what I consider not so great filmmaking. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, and this we've, we've discussed this before, but I disagree that a film has to have a point or, or maybe even a, maybe a different way of putting it um, a recognizable specific point. And I go back to this, like the Greek myths, like the Greek myths, unlike like Aesop's fables, Aesop's fables have a point. The Greek myths tell a story. And because they tell a story, I think they're more endear enduring than a simple point. That they, they have sort of a depth, and, and in some ways they speak things that couldn't have been said otherwise. I, I'm not necessarily saying that Poltergeist has this sublime sort of truth to it or something like that, but I think in that way it's like, well, let's talk, like, uh, Haunting has these many themes in it, and it, and this one is specifically interesting because it's taking place in the modern suburban world. It's not a haunted gothic mansion. It's not an old castle. It's a new house in a just-built subdivision. Um, and so in that way, you have sort of the ancient world creeping in on the modern world. And actually, that is something that's found again and again in the classics of horror. Dracula, in the book and the initial films, like, he's from the ancient world, Transylvania, moving to modern London. And that is the story of that horror novel. Um, even Frankenstein in the movies, you know, is this scientist with seemingly pretty brilliant ideas, but he's in a weird sort of, I don't know, uh, bohemian old German world <laughs> with peasants and, and pitchforks. Um, that sort of combination of, of old and new together creates this wild tension. And I think overall, there's just this feeling of like, there is so much more. There's more to heaven and earth, you know, than, than all your wildest philosophies, Horatio. And in, in really wonderful ways, but also deadly ways. And I think this movie has that. I don't even own a dog. I, that just happened in the ceiling. Yeah, no, I and I definitely see that. I, I do. And maybe this is a, a fundamental disagreement between us in terms of what we most appreciate in film. Yeah. And why you love horror so much and why I often resist it. Um, even though I do think horror as a genre lends itself more often to a kind of cohesive idea, uh, like a movie like Get Out, for example, yeah. um, that seems to, to, again, sort of have an idea in its head that it's exploring. Even if, it, even if the idea is a faceless evil that is unstoppable and unrelenting, whether it's Halloween or No Country for Old Men. Like, mm. So, and, and, and I certainly don't mean, you know, uh, after school special message that you have to get from every movie. Um, no. It's, it's more, it's working out a problem and maybe that's what poltergeist is working out this modernity you know, tradition 
uh, theme um and and that's enough and that's why it does actually have that undergirding it that gives it some form to it yeah i mean that 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 is what that for me that's what gives it like i love haunted house movies and i you know i'll i'll watch them all the time one of the reasons this is one of my favorites i think um is because it it is that is like it, in a place that shouldn't be haunted, we've seen it more times now, but in a place that shouldn't be haunted is this evidence of uh, of afterlife. And, and that also leads to this wild back and forth. Um, you know, if you take a, a, a movie like The Haunting um, or, or even Insidious, the Insidious or Conjuring movies, in The Conjuring movies, uh, it's never a beautiful thing that these hauntings are happening. It's never sort of like, wow. It's a, this is evidence of more and the expansive universe. It's never that. Poltergeist goes back and forth. So like even after the little girl is done, gone, the moment when the people are walking down the stairs is, it is sublime and it's sad and unnerving. And the whole whispered conversations uh, in the dark of that night, I just love that. Yeah, and you know, and again, it's hard to say because it is so formative as a movie for me in my childhood. I know it was scary when I was a kid, but so much of, of this rewatch was more the Spielberg awe that sure. you describe that it felt so much more like ET or close encounters than it did like Texas chainsaw. Like if there's a continuum between E.T. and Texas Chainsaw Massacre that all movies fit on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Poltergeist uh, is, to me, much closer to E.T. Uh, on that spectrum. And while, of course, it is uh, all respect to Toby Hooper that I can muster, it is Spielberg's <laughs> uh, attempt or, or entry into uh, the horror genre. Yeah. Because it's Spielberg, he can't help making a feel-good movie, in a way. Right, right. Where even right. the spirits, while, the, yes, there is this sort of token nod to there's a malevolent spirit in there with her and and the evil one, you know, sort of hinting that maybe it's even Satan and yeah. we've got to save her from that and, and ultimately that's what they run from in the very end. Almost every other aspect of the haunting is is just sad. Is yeah. Just these, these, these people who have been paved over and forgotten and stuck in this astral plane and you you feel empathy for them you don't feel frightened of them so this leads us into into whether this is a horror movie or not right um i i mean i i think it's ridiculous to not say this is a horror movie i said it's his entry into the horror genre i am accepting yes. that okay okay good all right good 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 <laughs> but in the in grand scheme of things it's still, well, it's PG. I mean, not that's not even a good calcul uh, calculation because I know there are other horror movies that are PG. It, it's got that Spielberg spin or burnish to it that it just doesn't feel in the same world as those other films. Yeah. Now, there are some beautiful uh, horror films that, that do center on the sadness. And often there's like a mystery or a sad, uh, a sad aspect of it. But, but this one definitely has so much of that. So um, let's talk about least favorite and and favorite scenes. Um, okay. But I sometimes with these, you know, 
I don't know how fair it is, right? Because you're supposed to pick your least favorite. I'm supposed to pick my most favorite, but I love this movie. So Right. Well, you. how about we do one of each? But, but you do a best and, and a worst. Okay, it's going to be hard, but you go yeah. first. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, well, I, I do think... I do think my favorite scene is that whole uh, whispered scene. Um, that that whole night when the first investigators are there. Um, mm, right. It's a really I, I long love scene. It. It's a really long scene. I just love it. I love uh, the kids and uh, I don't know. That That's probably my favorite. So I'll start with my least favorite. And it's, again, I it, it feels disingenuous because I, there's, so, uh, there's no scene that I feel completely falls flat to me mm-hmm. right even if there are some plot logic that i don't fully understand it's all shot so beautifully and acted so beautifully that it's it's i i forgive it there's that scene after the chair in the kitchen when they go and talk to the neighbor yeah it yes. feels kind of filler their performances there seem i know they're supposed i'm sure they were directed to sort of be like you've just experienced something strange so they're kind of giddy and they're all these mosquitoes, which I never really understood why there are all these mosquitoes. But the uh, I, I don't know. It just felt like a weird filler scene that didn't do. That's so funny. I I love that scene because uh, it just this I, is me grasping. Yes, yes. Well, I, I my grasping of a scene I didn't like then would be when the spirit in the third act attacks the mom and starts to kind of try and bring up her her shirt. shirt. Yeah, and I was like a little bit like oh. Well, we haven't this go, none of this ghost has been sexual till now why is the ghost trying to like sexually attack her now Wait, and i think of that scene as the whole scene of her going up around the ceiling which is so great even mm, though it's yep, such a yeah. cheap old trick um but yeah it I, so so good yeah my runner-up would be when the dad is pulling the rope and the giant head comes out yeah even though that is another image burned into my psyche on the rewatch, it's oh, wah wah. <laughs> uh, it's not. <laughs> it's not so scary. But um, I think my favorite scene is the dad comes home and and the mom and the kid show him, you know, the chair and then the girl and the the Caroline and that football helmet. That whole scene has a kind of. It's got everything that I love about the movie. It's got the awe. It's got the great acting. Mm-hmm. It's got that sense mm-hmm. that that infectious sense of excitement about what's happening without thinking about the consequences <laughs> of what's mm-hmm. about to come. Uh, and I just love that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's creepy. So they, they were some sequels. <laughs> Funny enough on, on these, I haven't seen any of the sequels. So they made, you haven't seen any of them. None of them. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I think I won't, I, I think I, I just love the first one so much and they go off in a kind of a, a weird direction I, I don't know why. I just maybe I will now. But Poltergeist Two: The Other Side, the family kind of returns. They kind of explain. It's not just that these, uh, the cemetery was uh, beneath the house and they didn't move the bodies, but um, but even more so, like there, there's a cave underneath the house where a cult kind of. Uh, oh, I have seen that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've seen it. Wow. <laughs> uh, this is a strange situation. That yes, I have it seen is. It and you haven't. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's like this preacher guy. Yeah, yeah. Who convinced all these people that the end was coming, and it didn't come. But he didn't let them know that, and they all died in there. Oh. Uh, and, and the preacher. I remember the actor. Like I can picture him. Um, yeah, 
No, it was pretty creepy, as I recall, because I probably saw it, you know, when it came out. So it's still fairly young. And then then there was Poltergeist 3. In that one, it takes place. I think it's only Carol Ann is the only returning family member. And she's living in a Chicago skyscraper. And so I don't know exactly what happens, but stuff, stuff happens. Stuff happens. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Okay. Stuff happens. And, and apparently quite a few cast members have met their end prematurely from what I understand. Yeah. There, there's a, the whole curse, you know, the poltergeist curse, uh, which gets a lot of sort of talk about it. Uh, yeah. And I, most sadly was, was the actress who played Carol Ann who died young. Right. Some sort of uh, misdiagnosis or something. Yeah. But the older daughter too, tragically was killed, um, murdered. That's right. Only a few years later. Um, which I have to say, one of my favorite moments, which to me is also a kind of Spielberg moment, is when she comes in at the very end and ha- just gives that great performance of like, what is happening? Yes. <laughs> Screaming at this, the, what is happening to her house. Uh, it's just a lovely, it's that same low angle push in. Yep. Uh, it's just sort of a beautiful moment. It is great. Uh, and then they made a remake of it. Uh, just a couple of years ago, they made a remake that Sam Raimi uh, produced. I haven't seen that one either. That seems a shame that they would remake it. You know, yeah, I remember seeing part of it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how it turned out, uh, but I would like to see that. And I think they can actually make another remake. I actually think the Russo brothers, there's rumors that the Russo brothers will be making a, a remake. Interesting. I know. I know. So uh, what what should we watch next? Okay, so uh, I think I, I'm thinking I'm narrowing in somewhat on what the kind of horror movies you like, but let's choose one that I, I love it. It's a more recent one. I'm pretty positive you haven't seen it, but it's uh, Sinister. Have you seen Sinister? I, I have not. I'm a uh, fan of the video game. Oh, the upright video game of our childhood, Sinistar. That oh, <laughs> yep, that's it. They got the IP for Sinistar. <laughs> it was a hard battle. Uh, uh, this is uh, Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill wrote it. Scott Derrickson directed it. Uh, Ethan Hawke stars in it. Um, I I really, really love it. Um, it I think it's great. So I, I, I'm very curious to to hear what you think. It's it's not as awe and uplifting as, uh, as Poltergeist. Uh, well, they rarely are unless Spielberg uh, is pulling the strings, literally. <laughs> I just picture Toby Hooper like a giant puppet. <laughs> uh, well, I'm looking. I'm a fan of Ethan Hawke. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, good! I'm excited for you to see it. And and you know, it's a it's a it's a writer and a, a frustrated writer. So I think we can both <laughs> a frustrated writer who drinks too much. It's it's us, Russell. <laughs> I'll start drinking now. <laughs> and that's the, the horror. horror! Uh, oh, and thanks thanks for, for letting me take a trip down memory lane with old Poltergeist. So welcome. Thank you to whatever listener recommended that we do Poltergeist. That was a brilliant suggestion. Yes, and please, if you've got any more suggestions, recommendations, criticisms, praises, uh, hit us up on iTunes, rate us, send us an email, Twitter. Owen is at Owen underscore Edgerton. And I am at Russell Sharma. Russell, see, see you next time. See you next time. <laughs> wow.